that this response is not just to you. This is to a few calls that I had today and yesterday, last night, today. Um, I want to I want to make this very, 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 very clear. When your kid opens up to you and talks to you, this is the outermost layers. And if you prove that they can trust you, you'll get the next layer. You don't have to respond. You have to listen. Don't give them ideas. Don't give them opinions. Don't say things just because you're used to saying things. Don't say things unless you know it's the right thing and it's the helpful thing because instead of doing what's helpful, you're taking away all of that support and now you're playing a different role. If someone tells me I, I have no life, I have no life, what's going to be? I have no future. I feel horrible. I'm not a professional therapist. This is not a therapy appointment. I'm a human being. I listen to them and take in their words. What are they telling me? Nebuch, what happened to this person? So sad, smart, sweet, good. What, what would I do if they were in a wheelchair? And they said, I don't have a life. I don't know who's going to marry me. I'm paralyzed. I don't know if I'll ever walk. God forbid. Or I have a sickness. What would I, would I start giving advice? Well, you know, maybe, you, should, you know, not everybody's meant to walk and you could just be in your wheelchair. And I wouldn't say that. You know, when you're ready to walk, you'll walk. Wouldn't say that. We, we make a lot of mistakes because we're trying to, we think this is a conversation when someone shares their feelings. We're here to give empathy. Sympathy and empathy have mercy and compassion and you hold them, their hand, and you cry with them. They're opening up that my life is ruined and someone ruined their life for them. Or what's the other choice? Either God or a person. Nobody chooses this. We have people who say, you know, I'm so depressed. I can't get out of bed in the morning. And even if you have an idea, and even if you have advice, and even if that's your profession, first comes a boatload of sympathy and empathy and crying and handholding. And then maybe you say, are you ready for some advice? Let's talk next time about it. You want some now? No, help me. Okay, let's try. Then, if you know the answer, and it's your profession, but but never first. And here we have people who we don't really know how to help anybody in their situation. And they desperately need compassion and understanding that of, of them. I'm opening up to you. Imagine a woman, a grown woman, tells her husband, I was driving and I got raped. And he starts saying, advice about what she should do. Okay, so let's, uh, we're going to go for therapy. You're going to get over it. Everything's going to be fine. First cry for the person. First cry for their experience that's life-altering and show, I am with you in your pain. Because if you felt their pain, you'd be just as immobilized and as stuck as they are. If we really felt their pain, we wouldn't say, how come she doesn't help? How come he doesn't clean up? We also would be dysfunctional if we really felt their pain. But at least try. And then you say, thank you. Thank you for sharing your yourself, your, your, your zikh, your essence with me. Thank you for feeling safe to open up to me. I'm always here for you. And I'm with you. 
That's your most important thing. And to skip over all of that and to start saying things that aren't helpful, even if you want to say something tomorrow, next week, you know, I was thinking about, you said that you're very depressed. Maybe, would you like to go to somebody? You'll ask me first and I'll tell you, don't say that. But if you're going to make a mistake, but to avoid the whole crying and holding your hand while you share your soul with me and, and miss out on that whole opportunity, when that's your job, you're the respirator. You're not professionals. You're mom and dad. And even if you're a professional, but if you're the parent, you're mom and dad. You're not playing professional now. You can always go back after we talk about how to proceed and say, you know, I have an idea in case you're interested. Most of the time, it's not what's going to happen. They know about therapy. They know about medication. They usually tried it or know people who tried it and made them worse. They're, they need a lot of energy to go through that. But even if you want to have that discussion, that's not the first time somebody opens up to you to tell you about their pain. That's totally ignoring their feelings. It's like clinical. And even if a doctor does that, they don't want to go back to the doctor. You have to cry. You have to have tears in your eyes when someone discusses their dysfunction, how hard life is for them. Instead of coming up with solutions, especially if they're fake, they're not even real solutions, cry and thank them and say, I'm always here for you. And I believe in you. Not all da 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 After another 20 minutes of crying, another 20 minutes, is it okay if I get a hug? I re- Can I give you a hug? No? Okay. I'm giving you a virtual hug. If yes, you give a TP embrace. Don't let go first. And no padding. Just hold. When they let go, when they let go, let go, give a little squeeze. And you look them in the eye and you say, I'm so sorry. This is your baby saying, without saying I've been stabbed, but, but this is your baby saying that my life is so hard. My life is so terrible. I don't know what's going to be. I'm jealous of everybody else that, that moves on, is getting married, is moving on. Don't make believe like, don't give it. Again, you don't have the answer. Don't make believe you have the answer. But even if you have the answer, that's next time. Sympathy and empathy to the max. And thank you for opening up and sharing with me. And I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I know we are in this together. You're not alone. You have me and Tati or Mommy and, and brothers and sisters and hopefully aunts and uncles and grandparents, hopefully, who love you and who like you and who believe in you. These are people who were stabbed, who went through a car accident, and they're saying, oh, I don't know if I'll ever walk. Well, we can go to physical therapy. Do you want to go to physical therapy? No, 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 no. Hear their expression of pain. Become the safest person in the world to them. They'll start opening up more because there's a lot more of this onion that needs to be unpeeled. Uh, it needs to be peeled and unraveled until they finally can tell you who hurt them. And this is the most important job of parents, and parents constantly mess this up because we constantly think that we have to give an answer, we have to give a solution, and we have to, and, and again, even if you have a solution, first you got to go through sympathy and empathy and thanking and hugging and thanking them for sharing with you and hugging and all of that. And then I wouldn't say anything. I would call whoever's guiding you, in this case me, and say, okay, he just said this, she just said this. What do you think we should respond? But don't 
blow these opportunities because even if you're going to think that you won, their message subconsciously is it's so hard to talk to them. So hard. Every time I say that I'm depressed, they give me 20, you know, you should wake up early. They can still give me 20 ideas. You go to the gym and you won't be depressed. Like, like my, my arm was, someone says my arm was blown off by a, by a, by a, a grenade. Oh, okay. So I think you should go to the gym. They're not dealing with our depression that we can, they're dealing with clinical depression, clinical anxiety, gut wrenching pain, deep feeling of I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I have no hope. I have no future. And we're just giving them like stuff we read on the internet. Like, you know, go to the gym. You'll feel better. Like get a job. You'll feel, you'll have purpose. Go, let's go visit some sick people. Even if you want to give ideas, make sure they're right. Whoever's guiding you, make sure they guide you. But even if you give, not now, first you cry with them. You don't go to a Shiva house and start talking. You listen. You cry with them. You say, you're not alone. We're with you. Say very little. You have ideas about what this person should do to pick their life up and move on? Because that's your field? Okay. You'll call back. You go back after the fourth time. You'll say, if you, if you, when you're ready, very carefully, people who have ideas really how to help are very careful. When you're ready, let's go out for lunch after, you know, not now. And when you're ready, let's talk. So you'll say the same thing. That's if you, but if you're not qualified, don't, you, you, this is your job. I always say, this is your job. You are a leg of a table to hold this patient up, to carry them through the dark years. Once you start coming up with ideas, you're on top of the table. And the worst thing is they lost the leg and they feel unstable. And you're giving ideas and they're all very good but they don't work and then they're not proper. And if they are proper tomorrow, you give it first, you give your heart and soul. I am with you. You're not alone. These are the messages you give slowly talk low and slow and give them time to open up and to share. And you'll see so many times that they want to share and they don't share all the boys in home sweet home who opened up to me about horrible things told me that I was the first person they opened up to. And it was after many times where I knew that it was on the tip of their tongue and I knew what they wanted to tell me. And then they, you know, after an hour or two of just chilling outside over there, we had a porch having cigarettes and waiting for it. And they'll be like, okay, good night. And I'll say, okay. And I wouldn't even say, don't you want to tell me something? Can I guess what it is? I didn't. I waited for my relationship with them to make them comfortable enough. I have to work harder. I have to work harder to make them trust me more. And then it came out. And they told me bad stuff. And thank God I didn't think I knew anything. And thank God I was humble enough to know that I'm an idiot and I don't know anything. And so it wasn't hard for me to say, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's, That's so sad. And I was just there with them. I didn't have solutions for them. And that was the solution. There's someone who's not going to judge me, who's not going to give me throwaway lines, get over it, you know, move on. I'll tell you what to do. You're making too much of it. It's time to move on. Don't be a victim. Nothing. I didn't know anything was easy for me to play dumb. So what you need to do, if you're working with anybody dealing with a, a child or anybody who opens up to you, don't give ideas. Be their friend. Be their their support system and give them the sympathy and the empathy that they need. And then overnight, a different time, you think really, really hard if you really know how to fix their problem. Otherwise, do not give them these these stupid ideas that never helped anyone. 
And if you really have an idea, then you very carefully say, you know, I was thinking about, I couldn't sleep last night. And they'll see how much you care about them. I really was thinking about it so much. Let's go out again. And you have to know where and what and when. Can I take you out tomorrow night for supper? And then maybe go for a walk. You have to be very careful. And then you say, you know, if you want to hear, I think I have maybe, maybe it will be a good idea if we go find somebody to talk to who specializes. And if you want, I'll go with you. Even if that's your idea, you have to be so gentle so they don't recoil and they don't say, that's it, I'm never sharing again. I'll tell you a true story. All my stories are true. There was a kid that I knew from the neighborhood, from kid in yeshiva, and he called me up out of the blue many, many years ago. And he said, everything's doing fine. I'm from, I'm in yeshiva, good yeshiva, everything's fine, except I want to kill myself. He's having suicidal thoughts, very bad. So I, I listened to him and I cried with him and I had sympathy for him. And a lot of people say, by the way, sidebar, well, they just want attention. Well, then give them attention. First of all, because you don't know if it's true until they're dead. Well, maybe they're taking advantage to dominion. Such mean spirit. So I said, even if they, so dead is 100%. They only want to kill themselves, so they're at 90. That's not bad enough. Their life is a, a personal holocaust. They're not enjoying their life, that's for sure. So who cares if they're, maybe they're exaggerating to get your sympathy. Okay, I mean, they they love life, and they're having a great successful life, and they're exaggerating and saying, I want to die to get your sympathy. Well, that's never happened. But if they need that from you, give it to them. Like I always say, somebody once said, I gave a dollar to a beggar. They said, this this beggar is really rich and he's crazy. So he, he asked for money. So I went back, I gave him another dollar. So he said, why? It's a waste. I said, if a guy's poor, you give him a dollar, he can go buy a soda. But a guy who's so sick that, that he needs to go beg. So a dollar, what's that going to do for him? It's going to make him feel whatever he needs to feel. I gave him another one. I feel so bad for him. This is what's going to make you happy. I can't heal his sickness. Don't give him a dollar. He needs it more than a poor person, perhaps. He's sicker. And Ayn Rednish is Ergovia Krenk. When a person talks himself into something or his mental illness, it's worse than a physical illness. So he, is he, he's not poor? Oh, he, oh, is he poor? He has money, but he's very poor because he needs to beg. He's sick. So I asked this kid, did you ever go to therapy? And he said, I did. But what happened was my father's actually his father's a, a wealthy guy. So money's not the problem. And after like three, four times, he started saying, so how's it going? That's all he did. No, any progress. So what's doing? And just from that, he said, I felt so much pressure because I knew what he was saying. Like, so how much am I going to have to continue paying? $400 a week, you know, twice a week, $800, 600 whatever it was. And so how much longer? And it got me so nervous. Then I quit. The kid was suicidal and he quit. And, he, and he's normal. He's not on drugs. He's, and he quit his lifeline. He was at a good therapist because he recoiled from his father showing. I mean, and it's not even his father's fault. Father, people don't know. And I also wouldn't know. I mean, he, that's all he said. But the kid interpreted it. So imagine if the father would have said more. Forget about it. 
I'm not blaming the father. He, he didn't do anything. So I said, listen to him. I said, listen, would you go back to that therapist if your father didn't know? He said, sure. I said, okay, so I have a fund and I'll pay for your therapy and call the therapist. And I hooked them up together. And he went. It's now many years later. He's married with kids. So we have to be careful. And the only reason he opened up to me is because I guess he felt he could. And I didn't give him advice until way afterwards. So I showed him a lot of, a lot of real empathy. Somebody is opening up their wound, their life to me. And guess what it was? He was molested when he was a kid by his father's best friend. Eight, nine, 10, 11, till around then. His father's best friend. How do you tell your father? Your best friend, the one that the family travels together and everybody's there. And then at at like 11 years old, the guy said, listen, I'm so sorry. I did things that weren't right. He gave him a nice, beautiful gift. Please forgive me. Let's keep it between us. So he promised him. He gave me your word. He trapped him. So he could never tell his father. His father still doesn't know. And he he didn't go on drugs. He he just felt that that emptiness inside, which most people go off the derech because of that, because everything feels bad. And life feels bad, and certainly Yiddish guy. Every just a, I have a whole different speech about why that happens, and and life feels bad, and most people numb their pain. It's incredible that he didn't. He's a superstar, but he was a superstar that was almost dead. He was he was getting very close to to being really really in trouble. So we have to give tremendous amount of sympathy and empathy. In your case, that's all it's going to be. Any ideas, you know, you can run it by me but it'll come from someone else. You have to be the the one. It's so easy. Just, we have no knowledge. We don't know how to fix this. And I'm just, oh, my baby, I'm so sorry for your pain. So much easier in a way when it's your own kid. It's harder because we try to fix it and we don't have time, whatever. But it's easier to feel their pain when it's your own child whose life is ruined and they don't believe they have a future. And of course, we're going to give them hope. But you can't just start with hope because that means that you didn't hear what I just said. I got hit by a car and I'm in a wheelchair. Don't worry, you're going to walk. You're going to be great. Did you not hear me? I don't know if I'll ever walk. Don't tell me, oh, you're walking. Don't be rah-rah. You have to be real. What would you want to hear if you were just got a, a terrible diagnosis? You would want hope also, but not just hope. Shem will help you. That means you didn't hear and you don't feel my heart beating out of my chest, worrying about my life. You're up to Hashem will help. If it was you, would you say that? Everybody knows the story about the woman who's who heard she heard that a kid got hit by a car or whatever it was, and she was saying, Don't worry, Hashem will help, don't worry, Hashem will help. And they got started getting closer and she heard it's her own kid. She started screaming. What happened to Don't worry, Hashem will help? It's when you don't feel someone else's pain. When you feel someone else's pain, you could you can hopefully say Hashem will help. There's a lot of things you'll say first. First you'll cry and you'll scream and you'll feel pain and you'll feel panic. And you'll worry, and you'll care, and you'll dive, and you'll do all these things. And then you hopefully have a muna, but it's very easy to have a muna when it's not you. So the first thing when someone opens up to you, you say nothing except I'm with you. And you, you have a tear in your eye. You can't overwhelm them either with your emotions. But you have to be there for them. I'm with you. And then afterwards, can I get a hug? And you say, I don't know how, but we are in this together. My heart is bound. My soul is bound to your soul. You're not alone. But what does that do with that? Even if they answer you, they can't accept it. You have to say the right thing to say when someone tells you the pain that they're in. 
What does it help that someone sits Shiva and a thousand people come? It helps. What does it help in the hospital? When my father was in a coma for five years, you know how many people visited him in those five years? And you know how many we saw in other rooms of people riding away with no visitors or maybe Thanksgiving or maybe once a month? And uh, does it make a difference? It makes a difference. I don't know if it made a difference to my father, but there were other people, other people there were not in a coma. They were, they were able to know what's going on. They were just bedridden, bedridden. And yeah, it makes, that's all we can do anyway. So it's Bikr Chaylam and it's, uh, I don't know, it's every mitzvah in the world. I'll end with this very important story that I always say over from Rib Shimon Bayechai. Shimon Bayechai took off learning. You can imagine Rib Shimon Bayechai taking off learning to go visit the sick because that's, very important mitzvah, Bikr And somebody who had pain, it said in his stomach, was in so much pain, he was cursing Hashem. Shem Abayichai said, if you're cursing God, that means you believe in God. So if you believe in Hashem, why are you cursing Him? Why don't you pray to Him to take away your disease? So true. The man says, you're right. I pray to Hashem to take away my disease and to give it to you. Shem Ba'echai says, and the Mepharshim explained that he says, he's right. I should have stayed and learned. It's bitl tire for me. Because when you do Bikr Chayim, it's to make somebody feel better. And nobody feels better when you give them ideas what to do when they're in tremendous pain. Keep those ideas for yourself. He was cursing God. He's right. If I would feel his pain, I wouldn't have said that. And I think that it's Pashib Shat. My eyes opened up to it, but I'm sure you'll all agree. The guy was saying... He could say, you know, a lot of different things. He said, he said, I pray that Hashem should take away my illness and give it to you. I think his point was, and then we'll see, Mr. Bayerchai, how you do. Very nice to not be in pain and to tell me what I should do while I'm in pain. Everybody knows how to fix everybody else's problem. Everybody goes over to the overweight person. No, you should go on a diet. You should do healthy stuff. You should make your own meals. Everybody knows what that person should do. Everybody knows what the depressed person should do. Everybody knows what everybody else should do. When you're the one in pain and messed up, you will fall short from all of that knowledge and from all of that action. These kids know what to do. Everybody knows something called a therapist and a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And and unless you have some new information, but even so, not today, tomorrow, after we talk. First thing is give them you. The biggest gift you can give your children or anyone is the gift of you. I am with you. Thank you for sharing your story with me. I'll never tell a soul it's safe with me. I'm a vault. I'm always going to be here for you. There's nothing that I care more about. We're going to get through this together. Okay, I hope that helps. We should all have a refuah. Amen. Amen.